Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Well, before we jump into our teaching, do want to reference the YouVersion Bible app. It is a great resource. It's absolutely free. It has about every translation, new and old, of the Bible that you can imagine. All kinds of reading topics. You can search for whatever interests you, money, sex, power. In fact, I searched for football uh, last week and found uh, dozens and dozens of reading plans, uh, what God's truth and wisdom has to say about that particular subject. Also, uh, on the lower right-hand uh, corner of the screen on that app, there's a drop-down menu, open events, search for Arlington FM, and you will find a complete set of notes for today's message. Well, uh, we are in a series called Dawn Treaders. And uh, it's taken from this uh, amazing verse in Paul's letter to the, uh, to the Romans. Uh, here's what it says, Romans 13, verse 8 through 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See, uh, Paul's entire letter, this amazing uh, theological treatise, this incredibly inspirational uh, text uh, written to his friends in Rome uh, is leading us to that pinnacle that we would live in the brightness of the new day that has come upon us in the coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, uh, in our journey through this letter, we come to a, a really profound passage. Uh, begins in Romans chapter 5, and uh, this text is literally a game changer in fact, uh, if you were a miner in search of gold, uh, you just hit a vein uh, with this Romans chapter 5. You struck it rich. Uh, maybe you're uh, holding a lottery ticket. And as those numbers come across the screen, you suddenly realize, that's my number. That's my ticket. Uh, I'm rich. Well, it's that kind of discovery, that kind of wealth that comes to us in Romans chapter 5, and so I want to invite you to uh, pause with me and really uh, take this in, uh, what's being revealed in this incredible uh, writing of the Apostle Paul. Uh, here's another way to put it. Uh, maybe you, you're familiar with the decades-old song, uh, Morning Has Broken, and uh, that's really what uh, comes to us in this text is the revelation uh, that a new day has indeed come upon us, and we can step into it and live into it, and we no longer have to be uh, in, in, encapsulated, uh, pulled down, held back by the darkness that surrounds us. I love the way the psalmist in uh, Psalm 130, verse 6 says, I wait for the Lord to help me more than a night watchman. Uh, any security guards listening to this message? Uh, the psalmist says, I wait for the coming of the morning light more than a watchman does uh, through the watches of the night. I'm, I'm waiting for the dawn. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping, sorrow may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, and this uh, text in Romans 5 uh, reveals to us uh, the joy that has come to us in the new day that Christ has uh, created for us. Uh, maybe you're living through a dark time. Uh, maybe, you know, this message comes to you and uh, you're going through some really difficult things. Uh, I would say be encouraged. Uh, God wants to bring light into your darkness. Uh, the dawn 
has broken in a very uh, profound way. In fact, during the time of Jesus, when the light of God came into the world, uh, there were religious leaders who came to Christ, and they said, uh, tell us, what will be the signs that God's kingdom is, is coming? Uh, how will we know? And Jesus had an interesting response. He said, it's already here. In fact, some people are living in response to God's authority and God's goodness, even here and now. See, the light of day has already come, and people are stepping into it. Uh, I shared with our uh, in-person group last weekend, uh, my wife and I, uh, last spring, uh, had taken a trip down to the Scottsdale area, and uh, one morning we decided to try to get out in the desert and uh, watch the sun come up. And uh, even though it was going to be quite warm that day, it was freezing cold as we walked through the Sonoran Desert. And you'll see in this shot here, uh, the sun beginning to creep up over the mountains to the east. And uh, here's something we realized uh, on a day that was heading for 112 degrees. As soon as that sun popped up, it was instant heat. Uh, we didn't have to wait around uh, for the day to begin to warm up. In fact, we immediately started peeling off some of our layers, and uh, that is exactly uh, where Paul takes us now uh, in his letter to the Romans, is with the coming of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished. The sun has indeed risen upon our darkness. We don't have to wait uh, for things to warm up. It's instant. There are changes in motion, and here's how Paul uh, describes this new day. He says, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so, uh, justified. Uh, Paul is saying that uh, in, in a very similar way, uh, as, as you recall from chapter 4, uh, when Abram... Uh, caught the revelation of God. Uh, God broke through to his darkness, in his darkness, and said, look, I'm your, uh, I'm your shield. I'm your great reward, and I'm going to do amazing things in your life. And uh, as we read last week, Abram believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, his response to the goodness of God, to the intention of God, aligned him with God, and God said, uh, that's all I need is that heart that's open to the revelation of who I am. And uh, it was reckoned to Abram as righteousness. And uh, Paul says, look, if you've responded to Jesus Christ, you have that same justification with God. Uh, you looked at the face of Christ you looked at the revelation of Jesus, and what you saw was very similar to what Abram saw. God is your shield. God is for you. God is with you. And God has good intentions for your life. And uh, Paul says, look, if we've responded to Jesus that way, we are justified with God. And he says, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, peace with God uh, would, yes, it would indicate calm. It would indicate harmony, that we're no longer at odds with God. But peace with God means so much more than that. 
It means that uh, all of the goodness of God is now available to us. It means that there is nothing in the heart of God that would distance God from us, uh, anything that may be happening in our lives. You know, I had an interesting uh, experience last week. I used to have a friend in high school, a buddy, and uh, overlogging a lot of experiences together, uh, we actually had gotten a couple of fights with each other. I call them mini boxing matches. And uh, in these few bouts that we had with one another, uh, I don't think I ever landed a punch. You know, it was mainly just kind of uh, boasting and uh, dancing around. But he socked me good a couple of times. And uh, occasionally, over the decades, you know, this was 40-plus years ago, Occasionally, over the decades, I would remember this buddy and how he had uh, punched me a couple of times. And I thought, you know, I should have employed a different strategy. He, he was much bigger, had longer arms than me. I should have tried to go inside, maybe hit him with an uppercut or two. Well, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, last week, this friend uh, reached out to me. I hadn't heard from him in over 40 years, and I got an email and he said, hey, Chuck, uh, I saw one of your messages online and just wanted to say, you know, uh, good job, congratulations, uh, you, I think you're doing great. And uh, I tell you, the first thing I thought of uh, when I read that email is I owed him a couple of punches. <laughs> well, not really, I didn't think that at all. In fact, what I thought was, uh, wow, that's so cool that he would reach out to me and uh, we've since uh, tried to connect via phone calls, but I gotta tell you, there's nothing but peace uh, in my heart towards him. Uh, nothing uh, that uh, would be at odds. And it's that spirit that Paul says, because of our response to Jesus, we now have peace with God. And he describes it, he says, we have access to this grace in which we stand. And uh, you know, some people, uh, myself included, uh, have a hard time relating to this concept of God's grace, uh, God's goodness expressed. And uh, I had a wonderful uh, story uh, shared through a friend. Uh, this is my friend Tim, and uh, he is a music instructor and uh, at the University of Washington. Uh, he's also my oldest son's father-in-law. Uh, that's Tim in the black shirt there in the center with the uh, uh, the big smile on his face. And in this uh, particular picture, uh, Tim had been invited to travel over to China on a couple of occasions and work with uh, some very elite music students. In fact, uh, as he shares it, you know, simply by the sheer numbers of students that apply to these programs, uh, they end up with the, the, the cream of the crop. And uh, all of these students be, being incredibly accomplished and uh, very uh, exceptional uh, music musicians. And uh, so on this one particular trip, uh, Tim said that they had a change in their program, and he decided to insert a song that they would do together, uh, one that you may be familiar with called Amazing Grace. And uh, as they played it through, he thought, you know, uh, it's missing something. Uh, didn't quite hit it. And so the next day when he gathered with these students, he had a conversation with them about uh, the story behind the song and how the, the guy was a slave trader and found faith in Jesus Christ and expressed 
the amazing grace of God that would save a wretch like him. And uh, they played it again, and he could tell they still didn't quite get it. In fact, he asked the question, uh, what is grace? And no one responded. Uh, no one had any idea, really, what grace is. And uh, then he thought to ask another question. He said, what is disgrace? And uh, hands went up all over the room. Uh, all of these students could relate to the concept of being disgraced. And uh, then he began to talk to them uh, about this definition of grace. It is God's unmerited favor. It's the unmerited favor of God towards people. And uh, in fact, he asked one question, uh, who among you has ever experienced unmerited favor? And uh, quickly, the hand of a tuba player went up, and uh, he said, uh, well, uh, I have a very beautiful girlfriend who's quite kind, and she's with me. And uh, that was his description of unmerited favor. But uh, apparently, uh, this conversation struck a chord, and uh, as time moved on, uh, one of the students contacted him about coming uh, to graduate school in the U.S. And when he asked her if she was planning on attending uh, the University of Washington, she said, well, no, that's not my first choice. Uh, I would like to go to Harvard Graduate School. And uh, uh, long story shortened, uh, she was accepted. In fact, she sent uh, my friend Tim uh, this copy of her acceptance letter uh, to the Harvard uh, Graduate School a philosophy program. And, uh, but the neat thing about this letter is at the very bottom, you'll see in this next slide, uh, the words unmerited favor. And uh, that's exactly the message uh, that God is trying to communicate to us that that means the most in, in his disposition toward us is he extends to us unmerited favor, and it's a part of this peace that we have with God. Uh, Paul goes on. He said, because of this peace, because of this unmerited grace that we stand in, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, what's Paul saying? We brag about God. We celebrate God because we know uh, that he has not only uh, brought us into a good relationship with himself, but it's not based on anything that we have accomplished or achieved. It's based entirely on his favor, his unmerited favor. And uh, I would say this, uh, we can be confident, we can boast in, in the hope of God's goodness being woven into our lives. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. Because we have peace with God, because he extends his goodness to us, we expect, we anticipate that we will experience that in every arena of our lives, um, in sickness and in health, through personal happiness, in our relationships, uh, in our quest for meaning. We can anticipate the goodness of God to show up in every arena of life. Uh, I love this one uh, church that I'm familiar with. They start all of their gatherings with a proclamation. Uh, the pastor says, God is good. And the congregation responds, all the time. And then the pastor says, all the time. And the congregation responds, God is good. And see, that's the boasting that Paul is saying, and in spite of the fact that sometimes it doesn't appear that way. Uh, anyone else experience that? Though we believe in the goodness of God, 
We believe that his glory is being uh, shaped and woven into our lives. We go through seasons. We go through times of darkness. Uh, it's almost like when you've ordered something from Amazon. It's not showing up. Uh, you go to the tracking page, and it says out for delivery, uh, but somehow it missed your address. And uh, I think sometimes uh, the goodness of God can be like that, and we can feel like, you know, I know it's on the way, uh, but I sure wish it would arrive today. Well, uh, Paul says this uh, about that, uh, waiting for the goodness of God to show up in our lives. He said, not only do we boast in God, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Uh, what is Paul saying? He's saying that part of this new day that has come upon us is, is our suffering is no longer futile. Uh, the difficulties that we go through are no longer without purpose and meaning. In fact, uh, Jesus said it like this to his disciples who were about to uh, go through a time of darkness. He said, look, now is your time of suffering, uh, but afterwards you're going to forget about the pain for the joy that has been brought into your life. Uh, Paul would say it in one of his other's, other letters, these present difficulties are not worth comparing with the joy that awaits us. Uh, he said, our, though our outward nature may be wasting away, though our circumstance may be difficult, though our patience may be tried, uh, we know that inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And see, because of that, uh, we can not only glory, rejoice in the glory of God, uh, celebrate having peace with God, stand in the grace of God, but we can also celebrate his goodness in the midst of our difficulties uh, because we know that God is producing staying power in us. He's producing perseverance. Uh, we're going to hold on to him until we get through what we're going through. And that, uh, through God's working with us, produces character. We find ourselves being changed. We find ourselves becoming better uh, people, uh, more whole, more complete, more solid, more stable, as God imprints the goodness of the life of Jesus into our own lives. And that perseverance, that character produces hope. We have this growing sense of anticipation. Doesn't matter what comes my way. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. Doesn't even matter if God seems distant through this. I know that he's doing his work. He's accomplishing his purposes in me. There's a, a song that we sing that says, uh, there was another in the fire uh, standing next to you. And it's a reminder that this is our source of strength when we go through uh, times that are difficult, is that because of our relationship with God, Jesus is with us. Uh, someone uh, made this quote, and I think it's very relevant. Uh, the gifts of God don't come into our lives from his hand into ours. Uh, he doesn't uh, hand us grace, hand us peace, hand us purpose, and then step back. Rather, the gifts of God come into our lives in this way. Uh, the gifts of God draw us into his arms. 
Uh, that's a much different reality. Uh, rather than God saying, I entrust you with these riches, uh, he draws us to himself, and it's his pledge of his presence that makes all the difference in the world. And that's exactly where Paul goes uh, in describing this new day that has dawned in our lives. He said this hope that we have uh, of the goodness of God being experienced in our lives does not put us to shame. Uh, some translations say we're not disappointed in the hope that we have in God because of this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Uh, this is that reality we described, uh, that the gift of God, his very presence has been uh, given to us, now joins us in our walk through this life. Uh, Jesus said it like this, uh, if you follow me, I won't leave you as orphans, but I will come to you and I will be with you. Uh, see, that's what signals to us uh, that the night is passing away and the sun is rising uh, because he is rising in our lives and in our hearts. And uh, as Paul describes uh, this gift of God's spirit that comes out of his grace toward us and his desire to deposit his glory in us, uh, this gift uh, comes to us uh, with one prominent message. Uh, that the, in fact, the, uh, the very essence of, of uh, what the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts is this, uh, that you are loved. Uh, Paul said, through this gift, the love of God has flooded our hearts. You know, we had a lot of floods around here last week, and I saw picture after picture uh, of streets that were covered uh, with this deluge of water and homes that were flooded. If you can take the good side of that, the abundant side, more than enough. Uh, Paul is saying, this is what God has done in pouring his spirit into our hearts as he's flooded us with the awareness that we are loved, that we are cherished. Doesn't matter uh, what we were like as we came to faith. Uh, the reality is we have peace with God. We stand in this grace because of the cross of Christ and uh, he pours his gift of his presence into our lives that communicates uh, you are loved, you are cherished, you are not an alien, you are not a refugee. And uh, I would say this, uh, until we hear that primary message of God's spirit in our hearts, uh, until we know without a shadow of a doubt that whatever the state of our lives, we are loved by God now because of Jesus Christ. Uh, until we hear that, I believe that every message that comes from God will be garbled. Uh, the message will be twisted. Uh, we won't hear it accurately if we don't know first and foremost that we are deeply and profoundly loved by God. And maybe you would say, you know, it's kind of like that, that cell phone commercial. Uh, when, the, when the signal's not good, the message gets changed. And uh, that is so true of God wanting to communicate uh, his direction and his guidance into our lives until we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are deeply loved, those messages will get changed. And uh, Paul knows that we struggle with this. And uh, so he goes on, uh, he writes these words. He says, you see, uh, here's how we know how deeply loved we are. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ, died for the ungodly. Just let those words uh, kind of sink into your cranium for a bit. 
Christ died for the ungodly at just the right time uh, while we were still powerless. And uh, maybe a good question to ask is, have you ever felt powerless and far from God? Uh, I know that I have. And Paul is saying, look, one of the ways we know that we are deeply loved by God is even when we were powerless to improve our lives and we were far from God, Christ died for us. He goes on. He says, look, this doesn't really make sense. Very rarely will anyone die for even a righteous person, though inference for a really good person, someone might possibly risk their lives or dare to die. And that's the kind of love Paul is saying that God has demonstrated towards us. Think of it this way. Uh, you're in a subway station, and uh, you see a guy, uh, he runs up to a, a woman with a baby stroller, baby in the stroller, shoves the woman out of the way, uh, knocks the baby over, reaches in, grabs the woman's purse from the stroller, and uh, as he's running away, he falls into the railroad track area. Now tell me, uh, would you risk your life to save that guy who had done such a heinous thing? Maybe, uh, but uh, Paul is saying, look, uh, maybe it's the mother who tripped into that railroad track and uh, trying to defend herself. Would you consider maybe risking your own life to save her in that situation? Well, the, the point that Paul is making is uh, even if we were that ungodly, unsavory character, God demonstrated his unmerited favor towards us by uh, having Christ pay the penalty and die for us. Uh, Paul says in verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then uh, these conclusions to this amazing grace that we experience from God, uh, Paul says, since uh, we have now been justified by his blood, the price has been paid, uh, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still enemies of God, uh, God reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Uh, how much more? Uh, in fact, say those words out loud. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we now be saved through his life? Uh, what's Paul saying? Uh, he's saying, look, if uh, Christ died for us when we were far from God, uh, will he not now live for us? Now that he's joined us back to God, now that we've become children of God, uh, now that we have peace with God, uh, you know, if uh, you look at these words, uh, if Christ died for us when we were powerless, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were enemies, uh, doesn't it make sense that he will now live for us, uh, that we've been uh, empowered and equipped to be God's children and to live in union with him. Uh, how much more can we expect that Christ will walk with us, will be with us through our times of suffering, uh, in our times of darkness? Uh, we're not suffering alone. Uh, he's with us working the very purposes and character and hope of God into our lives. I want to invite you to pray with me. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, as we go to prayer, uh, that you're thinking, I don't feel very lovable 
right now. I don't feel like uh, God, God's love has been poured into my heart. In fact, I don't even know uh, if I've been uh, at, made to be at peace with God. But there's something in you that's longing for that. Uh, I would remind you of what Jesus said, what, what the Bible says. Uh, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will experience salvation. And uh, there's something in your heart. It's like the faith of Abram. When he, when he heard that God was for him, that God was with him, that God had good intentions for his life, he believed God. And God used that to reconcile Abram to himself. Uh, that same response is coming from your heart. As you look upon Jesus, you hear what he did for you, that while you were still far from God, he gave his life for you. And you're saying, I believe that. Well, you need to know God looks at that belief and says, you're justified. Uh, you're at peace with me. And, and so let me lead you in a prayer that would just express that. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, thank you that you came. Uh, thank you that you are light shining into the darkness. Uh, and thank you that you're bringing your light into my heart. Uh, I see the goodness of God in you, Jesus, and I want to open my life to you. Uh, I ask that you would uh, forgive me of my sin. Uh, forgive me of being a living life distant from God, perhaps even as an enemy of God. Make me a child of God and uh, begin to live with me, Lord, and teach me how to follow you, I pray in your wonderful name. Amen. And uh, Lord, for the rest of us, uh, maybe as you hear this message, you're thinking, you know, life still feels kind of dark to me. Uh, I don't really sense the brightness of this day that Jesus has, has brought to pass. And I would just uh, reference an old hymn. I love the words. Uh, it says, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. And then this wonderful verse, melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away, giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. And Lord, that's our prayer right now, uh, that by your Holy Spirit, uh, you would flood into our hearts in a fresh way right now, Lord. And thank you that you would witness to us of your unmerited favor. You would witness to us that we have peace with you and that all of your goodness, your glory, we can rejoice in our confident expectation that even in these difficult times, you're working your good purpose into our lives. Lord, I pray that you would indeed fill us with the light of this new day, uh, that we would uh, set aside uh, the, the entrapments, uh, the, the downward pull of darkness that really swirls all around us. And uh, we would, like those dawn treaders, hearken to the coming of this bright new day that you are working in us through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.